0: Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click granger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
0: Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm Jacob Daniel, host of the Daniel 3 podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm just going to get right into it. I don't have too much of an intro. I'm excited to bring on tonight's guest. Um, it's Tasha Cohen's husband. How you doing, man? Yes,
1: I'm doing good, <laughs> man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to come on. Um, uh, I have to, but before we get into like the deeper conversation, I have to thank you and also Joe, because your uh, campaign was actually successful in bringing my wife into the Liberty movement. And so oh, wow. I wanted to get that awesome. uh, out there because, I mean, she'd always been kind of like libertarian adjacent and like, you know, like she wasn't like completely unsympathetic, but um, right. it was, it was when you guys went on tour and, you know, she was listening to she was sharing videos of, of Joe sharing videos of you and stuff. And, uh, you know, was excited, like got a yard sign, put a bumper sticker on, like it was the first time that she really got excited about the, uh, you know, like, like politics and supporting a I can't like, you know, candidates and stuff. So, um, awesome. so I, I thought I'd just share that with you. Um, it was definitely, uh, you know, cool to see her get, get involved. And since then, you know, we've both gotten involved more in the movement and the party. So, right. um, you know, oh, yeah, what absolutely. was, thank you. Yeah. So, um, get into it. You know, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you when, you, when, I, when I got you on is like, um, what, like what motivated you to get involved in, in, in politics, you know, as a libertarian, um, that, that, that was one of those, that was, uh, like your motivations and stuff is something I wanted to get
1: started with. Sure. So, um, well, first of all, it, it actually, the intro about your wife is a big part of that getting involved in politics. I realized that there was, because up until that point, I really thought all of my political involvement was outside of electoral politics. I I have been uh, an ANCAP, anarchist, whatever you wanna call it, for a few years now. Um, And um, in fact, at at least since, uh, in fact, looking back, I had been saying that I'd been an anarchist since about 2015. Uh, And then looking back at like old Facebook posts, I was at least realizing that I was probably in somewhat of an anarchist like 2013, 2014. And so but I was at that point, I was still very involved in my business Um, after I was diagnosed with MS. And then more importantly, after they started, after we had the conversation about my MS treatment options and they said that the goal of the course of my treatment was to slow down the rate of the progression of my MS to where it wasn't much different than the aging process that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was still in that like early 30s where you fool yourself into not really realizing that, you know, uh, death is imminent. And even before that, uh, you know, your, your slow decline is, is already happening uh, and, and you don't quite feel it yet. Um, and as depressing as that sounds, that hit me like a ton of bricks, but it also woke me up to thinking, I want to do what I can while I can when I can. And I was at a point at that point where I, I didn't have to work anymore to, uh, to to you know be able to afford to live. And so I you know we retired. I retired and I went full on into my activism. Now at that point, my activism was mostly outside of the electoral political spectrum. I didn't think it had much use. I thought it was more important to message people about self ownership and to talk to people about you know the fact that. You know, it wasn't just that they didn't need the Republican or Democrat parties. They didn't need any party. They didn't even need government. They just needed to uh, to recognize their self-ownership and begin pulling away from the state. And there's definitely a place for that in, in the liberty movement. Then, uh, oddly enough, it was actually Vermin Supreme who got me into the Libertarian Party. And the reason was because I realized that uh, you can actually use politics and you can use running for office to try to get good people in office who can who can do less damage or 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 actually try to undo the damage who uh than the the from the people that were you know in the republican and democrat parties or just status in general but you also can use politics electoral politics uh and the undue deference that politicians receive for some reason uh simply declaring i'm running for whatever okay You're still whoever you said you were, but it it immediately comes with a certain level of, I I would call undue deference, undue respect, um, to be able to reach people and talk with them about liberty. Um, I'm still just Spike Cohen, but now that I'm Spike Cohen, former Libertarian VP candidate, I was just on RT earlier today. Uh, I was just on Kennedy the week before. Uh, we're scheduling some other stuff that I, I can't talk about yet, but you know, national and international stuff because I ran for vice president. Your your wife was open to liberty through the electoral political system, right? So, yep. if nothing else, it's an effective way to message to people. And yes, you can do some harm reduction too. You can get some people in office um, who can do undo the damage or or try to stop the damage being done um in office and in the meantime bring people into the movement so that's actually it was that realization it was actually through vermin supreme it was that realization back in 2019 that got me into politics and you know two years later here i am almost to the day two years later here i am
0: wow that's that's awesome yeah and you know i i remember when i became an anarchist yeah i didn't understand why people were politically involved anarchists it was weird because like the the friends who kind of like brought me to the liberty movement um where were people in the Mises caucus. And so it was yep. weird that like, they spent all this time convincing me the state is evil and politicians are evil. And then it was like, okay, cool. You got me there. But like, why are you guys do, doing the LP then? Isn't that kind of like mm-hmm. contradictory? So it took me a while yep. to kind of, you know, realize the, the utility there. Um, yep. But
1: you know, some... the state is the state yeah. is evil. Now here's why, here's who we're running for city council. It's like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, and what's really frustrating is like, so then when, when like, uh, me and my wife got really excited for um, yours and Joe's campaign. A lot of fellow like libertarian, like anarchists that we knew, um, especially like I'm big into like the Christian anarchist sphere because like you mm-hmm. know that's what my podcast is. Um, yes. They were getting really butthurt that like I was supporting a politician, and you know a lot of them just like you know. And, and I I remember actually I was part of a debate uh, like in 2020 about uh, if anarchists should vote. And when I like I brought you up and said like well you know Spike Cohen who's an anarchist and the guy just flat out like interrupted me was like no Spike Cohen's not an anarchist he's running for vice president and I was just like wow okay so
1: <laughs> what do I you what do you say to country. those uh, right no, go no, go ahead I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt well you. I was
0: gonna say like what do you say to those um you know some of the I don't know really. I, I'm trying to figure out of a not offensive word to describe that attitude. but like 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 the anarchists who don't get it, like, what do you say to them yeah. when they give you grief for uh, being politically involved?
1: I say to them that I fully respect and understand their position. And I look forward to the day when we can say, yeah, I, I'm not involved in politics. That's not for me. And I'm not, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm over here just living my life free and, you know, the state can or, or you know, the people that are calling for state authority can, can you know, go screw off or whatever. And unfortunately, we're not there. And if they want to remain in that, I fully understand that from a principled standpoint. I've had anarchists who have come to some of my events uh, even after the election and they're like, Give me the argument to vote and i'm like harm reduction it's it's voting for and they're like but isn't that a lesser evil and i'm like sure if you want to call it that if so if you want to call you know saying here's here's this person who actually wants to undo the damage being done but they're willing to acknowledge the existence of government which we all acknowledge that government exists in the meantime if that's or, or making coalitions with people who want a, you know, a um, you know, a minimal state that does very little. If that's what you want to call lesser evil, I mean, sure. But the reality is, uh, you know, that's the reality. The reality of life is that there is no if we're going to live in the and I mean, if you're going into you know, talking biblical stuff, we're in the temporal world. This is not. We aren't in the spiritual. We we are fighting in a in a temporal world. What you know, someone of faith would call a spiritual battle. And yeah. there are going to be times that, especially if you're engaging in a, in a political thing, that you have to. Uh, you're gonna have to you know uh, make al- erstwhile allies on specific things. You know, I I th- I'm, I think that the average anarchist who doesn't vote would be hard pressed to say that they wouldn't. Uh, engage in some kind of activism, for example, on something, you know, uh, uh, in respecting the rights of Christians, if they're a Christian anarchist, or, or you know, uh, doing something in the crypto sphere that involves people who aren't quite anarchist in, 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 in you know, in the blockchain or DeFi or, or Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Um, I, or for that matter, doing business in general, going in and engaging in commerce out in the world. And every time they're doing that, they're engaging with statists. Um, They're engaged. So they're already, you know, unpure to the extent that they're already relating or most of them are already relating to status. I think their line is, but I don't want to vote in the system. Like, I I don't want to give uh, the uh, the, I don't want to grant my my permission to this state mechanism. Um, Okay, then don't like I'm not going to push anyone to do it. Um, But that's the age old question of like, if we were all hostages in a, uh, you know, we're all being held hostage in a room. And the, uh, and the person, you know, the the hostage taker says, you know, we're having a vote on what you're, you're, you're going to eat, you're either going to have a ham sandwich, or, you know, you're, you're not going to eat anything. How are you voting? And you know uh, uh, you know you can either vote ham sandwich or nothing, or you can say, I refuse to grant you, I, I refuse to respect the authority you say you have because that you're holding us hostage. Okay, but if you are principal enough and you don't vote, that's fine, but you know the, the reality is you, to whatever extent you're being given a choice go ahead and take it and leverage it to push for you know being set free and and in this situation you know we can use this to actually get a, a we can use this to bring people into a movement to be set free the other thing i will tell them is this you are going to be hard pressed to find someone else who no one ever heard of two years ago, or very few people had heard of two years ago, who went across the country, was on all 50 state ballots, and routinely told people he was an anarchist. I have told people I am an anarchist for the epic Times, on Fox News, on, uh, gosh, what else, on RT?, on multiple channels and outlets. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, those are just a few off the top of my head. USA Today, I have called, I have described myself as an anarchist, someone who believes that all that government isn't just bad at the thing we're talking about, they're bad at everything, and have that level of relevance or reverence that they give me because I ran for VP. And it also opens a conversation. I'm an anarchist. Wait, why did you run for vice president? I'd love to answer that question for you. So if that's not your bag, don't do it. And if, if that's not what you want to do, don't do it. And I totally get it. And I look forward to a day where we can all not do that. And none of us have to think about it. But that's why I do it. And uh, I find that it has been very helpful. I'm, I'm, If I can use that, if I can ballot pill people into anarchy, then, uh, then I'll, I'll do it all day long. I think you're muted. <laughs> wasn't it. Go, okay yeah um
0: yeah i think you know one of the common responses that i i, I hear some of them you know the, the anarchists give is that like well they're counting your vote and voting legitimizes the state and i mean i don't really I don't know mean, if that's yeah. true like i don't think the state's looking like for one i don't think the state's looking at the like how much of the population vote and cares that much i don't yeah. like I, I think to a certain extent they kind of like More that a uh, a large portion of the population is apathetic and and isn't voting yep. it's kind of like mm. less people they have to manipulate and proper yep. propagandize oh, um but further but oh. i was like you know oh. if they're counting votes and stuff um if they're counting votes for like vermin supreme i don't think they're going to get confused about what my feelings are towards them you know <laughs> what i mean <laughs> like bro yeah, no, no a, if anything oh, hundred people voted for vermin supreme wow oh, wow cool state's been if, legitimized.
1: <laughs> if you hear, you know, millions of people voted for someone who they almost all realized had very little to no chance of winning this election because that's how big that's a vote of no confidence. That's like a nota vote basically. Yeah. Um I I understand what they're saying. The government does not care, major media does not care. Uh, I believe it was in the 1970s after the um Whitewater scandal and then the pardoning of Nixon, and then the, you know, J- J- Jimmy Carter being an absolute mess. Um, that we started seeing uh, elections, I believe that electoral in, in the I forget, I think it was in the 1976 presidential election, the um, the uh, the um, participation rate was in the low 30s, and I mean, that meant that that it, low 30s of uh, registered. Voters. So that doesn't include those who aren't voting. So you're literally at a situation where like at that point, probably what 15% of the population was voting it, uh, of, of like adults, it, it, 85 or, or 15% or 10% of the population total, including uh, children and felons and whatever else who can't vote. No one there would say, oh, yeah, the democratic system is falling apart and the government has no legitimacy to to exist. And frankly, if it had been 6%, no one would be saying that. The government doesn't actually, the only reason that they even have a democratic system is so that they can say, hey, if you don't like it, you could be voting. So it, 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 it is what grants it legitimacy to that extent, but it's not based on numbers or participation. It exi- it, it's based on it existing in the first place. And whether you vote or not means absolutely nothing to them. If you don't vote, great. That's one less vote uh, that, 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 that they, that's difficult for them. Um, the real, in my mind, real, you know, some of the one of the more effective ways uh, that anarchists will fight against the state is leverage their own systems against them and actually use their own systems against them and frustrate them. And I would say that if you voted for an anarchist and an anarchist got into office and started spreading anarchy in office, whether that office is mayor or governor or president or city council or whatever, that gives, uh, that kills legitimacy of that system that people are like, yeah, we voted and we don't want any of this. That to me would be a much greater uh you know screw you to the system then no i'm not participating i'm boycotting okay great you boycotted we won
0: yeah or even if you don't want to support like let's say you don't like the libertarian party or candidate for some reason i even tell them listen just show up and vote like no or like you know like a common christian christian anarchist mantra is no king but christ they're like cool show up and put that mantra that yeah like put something you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like but like you voting no just doesn't really like signal anything to them
1: so does nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, but
1: again, if someone I've, I've met people who say, you know, any vote is a vote to um, to exercise force on others. And so even if as a joke or a prank or a protest, I'm not going to do it. It's fine. That's fine. Especially like uh, pacifists who say, like, I, I yeah. don't even want to use defense, uh, um, you know, violence in defense. And yeah. so, you know, because I say, listen, voting is violence. I'm using my vote as an act of defense. And they say, well, I don't even want to use violence in defense.
0: Okay. and I think that's the real sense. reason a lot of Christian anarchists are a little like hesitant to go the political route because a lot of them are actually pacifists. So, yeah. and, I, and, and I respect and that. If you are a so.
1: pacifist, if you're yeah. a pacifist, then you know what? Actually, it's possible that the most, uh, I might be talking people out of voting at this point, but <laughs> I, I will say, listen, if you're a pacifist and you see, uh, violence, even in self-defense, as as something that you as a Christian can't do, or you as a a pacifist for whatever reason you're a pacifist can't do, and you see voting as an act of proxy violence, and that even in defense would be wrong, and according to your belief system or values or faith, then I, I'm not going to give you. I don't give people a hard time. I don't vote shame people gen- in general, and especially not for people who, for principled reasons of you know uh, of non-aggression and and passivity they choose not to do it it's not something i'm going to do i'm not a pacifist um but if if it's something that that's that's uh, a manifestation of your beliefs and your values then do it i, I say do it or don't don't do it
0: I and mean, it's like I, i'm sympathetic to their position but i guess it's like you know i i abhor violence i mean i think all libertarians abhor, of course. abhor violence yeah. but it's like to me it's like if we actually want to talk about realistic paths towards at least like de-escalating state violence. Like, I mean, the right. idea that Ann kappa stands around the corner is is just fantasy. I I think no, like the, the best we can do right now is try to like move the ball in the right direction. And it's like, you know, if we want to avoid the like the current uh culture war and the current like you know tension in our country and our society, if yeah. we want to avoid actual violence, like some kind of civil war or, mm-hmm. or, you know, escalation to where the state is, you know, actually like, you know, like housing soldiers and police in our ha- homes and stuff like, you know, yep, yep, yep. We, we might need to, you know, pick some kind of form of resistance. And to me, you know, it's kind of like what inspired me to join, like, you know, I'm a state organizer here in the Mises Caucus in, in Pennsylvania. Yep. And yep. the reason I joined the caucus and the party was like, you know. There's a lot of different ways you can, you know, do activism against the state. But uh, trying to de-escalate and like decentralize back to the local level seems to me like, you know, the most peaceful option on the table if I actually care about like, you know, reducing the amount of violence in the world. So, Yeah, yeah,
1: I would I would definitely agree. And I can also hear the pacifist argument for voting in in defense to say. I'm voting as an act of removing violence. I'm only, yeah. and, and for that reason, I'm not going to vote for a candidate who wants a smaller government. I'm going to vote for a candidate who deep down their end goal is no government or, you know, ending or greatly de-escalating that violence. You know, that that could also be seen as an act of, of, of non-violence, of, a, an action of canceling out someone's act of violence, but without actually proxy violence uh, of their own again it's really how you just decide to define that but i'm also not a, a pacifist because you could yeah. say to someone like that you could use the analogy of if someone's you know breaking into your home and you're you think that the least violent course of action is to do something you know, physical to stop them from hurting others, and they go, well, but that—that's their choice to make to to be violent. I'm not going to make a, a choice to be violent. I'm I'm choosing not to be violent, and especially if it's from a, a Christian angle. They're now adding a metaphysical uh, layer to that of you know, I believe that we should be turning the cheek at all times and, and everything. And I, I'm not going to get into an argument about someone's faith about on these issues. If if someone truly doesn't want to ever exercise what they perceive to be violence, honestly, if all if there were more people like that, we'd be in a much better place right now. Like if, if the majority of people said, I, I'm, I'm going to You know not exercise violence against others in any situation we already have a more peaceful society so far be it for me to try i can simply tell them why i think it's not necessarily violence what they're doing but you know that's that's their choice to make and I, i i really my energy i feel like is better spent arguing with the people who think that violence should be used to make healthcare affordable or, you know, (laughs) use violence to, you know, make our cities safer, uh, or, or to, uh, you know, make it so their children can afford, uh, you know, going to college or something like that, because they also have very valid and legitimate concerns, but they're buying into the monster that created the mess that they're worried about in the first place. And I, I would much rather spend time convincing, you know, showing them how, Statism is what's causing the problems with healthcare and and crime and and education. Instead of trying to talk a, a, a pacifist or or you know an anarchist into being more involved, honestly, I think for a lot of people, the best way to best argument, um, especially if you already agree on the outcome and you just disagree on the tactics, the best way you can bring them in is demonstrating. And rather than hmm. me arguing and say, yeah, this can do this and do that, let me show them. You know let me if i may maybe if i'm able to get a bunch of you know anarchists or near anarchists elected, and we can start clawing back this ever-growing state maybe some of those anarchists will look and go oh okay yeah i guess maybe that's something we can work on maybe we can work it or at least i won't be critical of it anymore that's exactly i I, i'd rather lead by example with people that already agree with me
0: yeah that makes sense um you know, as, as far as you know, just to shift gears to so a different topic here, um, sure. you know, when we're when we're out there and we're trying to engage with you know people who aren't in our spheres, who aren't anarchists, who aren't even yep. you know you know minarchist libertarians, and we're we're right. trying to message them, you know, like one of the things that attracted me to the Macy's Caucus was that they you know messaging is very important to them. Now they also have, you know, we talk a lot about strategy and like decentralization, nullification yep. at the local yep. level, um, and, and I think that's important too. But like the messaging is something that I really wanted to see improved in both the Libertarian Party and in our candidates. Um, You know, I think you, uh, you you and Joe, uh, to be fair, I think especially you, in my opinion, did a good job of messaging and like, you know, that's the kind of stuff I want to see more of out of our candidates and out of our, you know, both national and state affiliates. But there's kind of like, I guess, a hard balance there. And sometimes in the uh, LP circles, there's a little bit of like, you know, d- divisiveness and, and contentious um, you know, arguments about how we should cater our messaging. Cause like on one hand, when you see evil going on around you, a lot of us like we wanna we feel like it's important to loudly and strongly condemn the evil in the strongest possible terms and not to mince right. words. But then there's also you know like, and this is something you've talked about too, like trying to uh you know, make your messaging, uh, empathetic and, and trying to persuade people. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of like that saying, you know, you attract more bees with honey than with vinegar. Um, right. and so it's like trying to, there's a, there's a balance there. And I was, I wanted to talk to you kind of about that, like how you strike the balance between like trying to stand on your principles and, you know, loudly oppose evil, but also trying to like meet people where they are at. Mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to try to push them in the right direction. Because I mean, it, you know, none of us became, you know, anarchists overnight, you know, we all had right. a journey and we have to recognize recognize that, I think.
1: Yeah, so I actually, interestingly enough, I see it a little bit differently. I, I actually think that it's less of a balance between the two. And I think that we've actually been presented with a false dichotomy that mm-hmm. you have to choose between principle and relatability. And I think it's the opposite of that. I think that principle is the message that you are saying. Relatability is how you're saying it. Hmm. And so I think that and I think honestly, you know, this is especially within the LP but I guess probably in the liberty movement in general but especially in the in the Libertarian Party. We've had this false dichotomy of well we need to be relatable and relatable means, you know, watering down the message. And then on the other side and they don't say watering down, the, you know, making it more you know, accessible, in other words, watering down the message. And then on the other side is and not just watering down how we say it or presenting it in a way that's more maybe bite sized chunks, but like literally what we're calling for being less than what we actually want. Um, And then on the other side, you have the people who say, well, no, we need to be principled above all. And I don't even care if they want if they want to hear it or not. Facts don't care about their feelings. Well, those are both uniquely terrible approaches. And uh, no one is going to want to hear a message from someone who is a jerk, who calls them murderers and welfare queens and participants in their own destruction and all of that stuff. Uh, it, no one really wants, very rarely is someone ready to hear that. Um, and usually they were already pretty close to hearing us anyway. Any message could have brought them in. It just so happened that was the message they heard. No one's like, oh wow, I was wondering how to be able to uh, you know, afford college for my kids, but this guy over here called me a murderer and a rapist. So I'm definitely gonna check that out. Um, but on the other token, if I show up and I go, hey guys, here's the Libertarian Party. You've heard of Republicans and Democrats. We're kind of the best of both. And you know, you, you like low taxes, we wanna cut them even a little bit more than the Republicans do. And you you like uh respect for right for for you know your your personal choices? Well, we we, we like that even more than the Democrats do. And you know. We think that, you know, this system is it just really needs the right people in. And I mean, I've we're, literally we're heard fiscally conservative
0: the and socially liberal, <laughs>
1: fiscally conservative and socially liberal. And I say, so I get asked that, like, are you fiscally conservative and socially liberal? I'm like, no, it's fiscally not my money and socially none of my business. That's yeah. libertarianism. Like, it's not my money. It's your money. And I need to stop spending it. And it's none of my business how you live your life, provided you're not hurting anyone else. And I actually like the people ask me that. And I answer that because that sounds so much bolder and so much more like in tune with how people feel about their day to day lives than I'm like a Democrat and a Republican. And and the thing is, when people hear that, even if they because there are a lot of people out there that are like, you know, I, I consider myself somewhat of a centrist and they might be libertarian and they might consider themselves a centrist. But here's the thing. If they're already somewhere in the middle, but they might lean more this way and lean that way. And then you show up and go, hey, you know, those two parties, I'm marginally better than the two of them. And they already know that your likelihood of winning the election is very low. They now have to make a, you know, a value decision here. a, a You know, a, a, I guess a ROI decision or a cost benefit analysis of, all right, well, let's say I think I lean a little bit more to the Democrats than the Republicans or vice versa. It really doesn't matter. I lean more to this side than the other. These libertarians, they actually sound even a, a little bit better than that, but you know, their likelihood of winning that race is very low. I'm more likely, I mean, the Democrat has a way bigger chance of winning than the than you know the, the libertarian, or the Republican has more of a chance of than the libertarian. Nine times out of ten, they're gonna vote, uh, they're gonna vote Republican or Democrat or whatever they were leaning towards. You have to come in there and explain to them that the Republican and Democrat parties are the same thing and they're being Conned and then show them that. And now not only are they are they reconsidering everything and saying, wow, I, I've never heard that. Before. Wow, that makes perfect sense. You know, it's like the scales removed from their eyes, but now they don't care if you win or not. They want you to win, but they're not going to vote based on if they think you want to if they think you're going to win. They realize that this is a shell game. This is a big good cop, bad cop routine. The Republicans and Democrats are a joke. They're just being they're lying to you and they're pretending to oppose each other, but they're in it together. And when that happens, we can now actually have people that that people are much more likely to join in on something like that. Something that it's like, oh, wow, this is the way forward. This has never really fully made sense to me. This person's telling the truth. But you have to do it in a way that actually relates to that person. So I don't come in and call them a murderer or or say that uh, you know oh you must be a welfare queen or you know or, or, or come at it like that. I'd much rather um, you know if someone's worried about healthcare, then I talk to them about healthcare. I say yeah our healthcare system is a mess. Look at all the money that's being spent on healthcare in this country compared to other developed countries. We're spending three times as much. We're we're actually spending more money per taxpayer. Uh, more taxpayer money per patient than almost any other country on earth. And then we're paying twice that out of pocket. So we're paying something like three times the developed national average and our healthcare system certainly isn't three times better than theirs. Um, and, and we know why. It's to benefit these multi-billionaire crony corporations. And it's been set up by Republicans and Democrats. And it's, it's, it's literally set up in order to make healthcare as expensive and onerous as possible, with the hope that eventually we'll just throw up our hands and say, okay, put government in charge of it entirely. The only way we're going to fix this is with free market solutions, actual free market solutions. And you can talk about things like certificate of need laws. You can talk about things like uh, IP protection for uh, big pharma. You can talk about things like, you know, the the, the 30% of the uh, 30 cents on the dollar spent on healthcare is, goes to some tax or fee at some level of government. You can talk about the red tape that the insurance system has created because of insurance mandates. You can talk about all this stuff, but you have to do it first by recognizing that validating their concern and saying, here's why it happened. And then you can talk about what the actual solution is. Right, so it's like the feel felt found method in sales. I see how you feel. Other people have felt this way, and here's how we what we have found. Um, that is, I didn't water down the message. I didn't say, well, you know what? What if we uh, what if we cut this by ten percent and increase this by twenty percent or whatever? I said, but I also didn't come in and go, oh, you want healthcare to be cheaper? You think it's a right? I guess you've never heard of negative rights. Someone here <laughs> needs to read Rothbard. It, it doesn't work. Right, yeah, instead, yeah, healthcare sucks in terms of the cost here. Yes, there are people dying because they can't afford healthcare, especially during this during the uh, COVID. This is terrible. You're right. Here's how we fix it. Here's oh, what yeah. got us here, and here's how we fix it. That is both as principled as, as can be and as relatable as can be.
0: Oh, yeah. Our health, I mean, and I'm my dad over the past month went into the hospital with uh COVID, and uh. Yeah, we're having to deal with all that right now. Like, you know, is this yep. insurance going to cover this and that? He's going to need, I mean, he got hit hard. The doctors are saying he's probably going to need mm-hmm. to be in rehab for a couple months after that. And like, you know, what insurance do you have? Is it, what facility you want to go? And like looking at, oh, yep. insurance will cover this kind of care, not this kind of care. And it's just yep. the whole, whole system is such a mess. And it's just, yep. yeah, but I mean, it's like going through it right now. So I'm very, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's one thing to like talk about healthcare and how effed it is. And another thing when it's like you're experiencing it and you're like oh wow it's really i don't want to curse on my show, but because it, it, it's a christian no, it's show really, i always try not to curse yeah. but it's like it's it's so screwed up and it's like yep. you said it's yep. it's and you know so i was i actually came from the left i was a bernie sanders guy like in 2014 okay. and 2015 and yep. so like I've always like known the healthcare system was screwed up and like, it's what's weird is like my talking points haven't changed, but like the emphasis I make on my talking points has changed. Like it used to be like healthcare is screwed up because it's this giant system between the politicians and the pharmaceutical companies and, and, and doctors to, to make them all rich. And, and, but then like my solution was like, give government more control over it. Now it's like, Oh, Oh no, it's uh, (laughs) a, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's not, the people getting money part that's the problem it's the the government involvement and yeah yeah, because it's like listen i don't want my doctor to be making five dollars an hour you know what i mean like probably not necessarily going to be a good doctor or not not dollars but you know like whatever uh anarchist currency we would use you know bitcoin or whatever but um you know what i mean it's like it's like Yeah. yeah it's like i want i want you know somebody who's doing like you know heart surgery on me to be well paid but um you know they don't necessarily need to be part of this system with, you know, everything you brought up. That's just like, uh, and it's like, you know, the people on the left notice how, like how much income inequality has grown. And I'm like, yes, it has grown, but you know, like the problem isn't letting people make money. The problem is letting people make money through the system that grants them this, this giant monopolistic advantage and, um, keeps, you know, it's like you basically, uh, you know, like like, and then you know through the Federal Reserve and the printing of money, it's like they're getting rich at astronomical rates to keep up past inflation, whereas everyone else, you know, you can have a ten thousand. If you had ten thousand dollars in savings in twenty nineteen, and you still, ha- you could have doubled that money from twenty nineteen to now, and you still lost money.
1: Yeah, with the yep. amount of and inflation is, that's happened. <laughs> exactly, and this is what I try to explain to people is that you know, because I'll have people on the right, you know, former Republicans who are now libertarians and they'll be like, but you got to admit the Republicans, at least, you know, Republican voters at least get it more. And I'm like, no, you're not listening to Democrat voters. You're listening to what people on right-leaning media tell you about Democrat voters. Democrat right. voters are fed up with the system too, and they're just focused more on the corporate profit and greed side yes. of it. But then they also very much get upset about the police and the war on drugs, and you know the, the problems with the system of, ju- of you know the criminal justice system. They understand yep. there's a, a big government component here, but just like the Republicans who are upset about taxes and regulations, they're upset about crime, they're upset about you know, uh, safety in these types of things, and they recognize government screwing it up, then you both go, well, this politician said it's this politician's fault, we need to go with this politician and have the government more in charge of x, whatever x is. And so it's like, no, you're both being led by your noses. But your concerns are very valid. And your concerns are being created are, are as a result of messes that are being created by your favorite politicians and your least favorite politicians who are working together on it. And, yep. you know, but that's why I want to focus on that. I'm not, I don't do culture wars. What do you think about, you know, I was just in uh, Manatee County, uh, Florida uh, in uh, Bradenton, a couple of two days, two days ago, actually. And I was there to speak to the Manatee County board. They have the abortion ban bill. That they copied after the Texas bill and it basically creates a new snitching system uh, to ban abortion, which they say will get get around the Roe v. Wade decision by saying, well, it doesn't matter if it's constitutional or not, because we're not we're using the civil courts and snitches instead of the police and the criminal justice system. So it's not really government doing it. First of all, that's not going to work, but let's pretend it did work. Let's pretend that you could come up with this end run around constitutionality and say, well, it doesn't matter if it's constitutional or not, as long as snitches in the civil court system is doing it. Gun bans, speech bans, vaccination mandates, mask, every single thing you want that otherwise could be ruled unconstitutional is going to come and it's going to use the snitch system. Now it's you you and your neighbor fighting constantly and snitching on each other and hating each other. And, and this was, you know, so-called small government Republicans that were pushing this in the county board saying, well, you know, this is to fight for the unborn. Well, first of all, there are no abortion clinics in your county. So this is virtue signaling to the pro-lifers. But second of all, this has, this is, you're using the pretext of abortion, To create something that, if it actually worked, would end any semblance of constitutional protection of your inalienable rights. Every single thing, because you're not challenging the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade or abortion, you're you're challenging that this, you're saying that this sidesteps even the concern of constitutionality. And these are people that supposedly say, you know, government should be as little involved in your lives as possible. So Republicans and Democrats are led by their noses uh, into really bad things. Uh, because they are, they harness their fears and resentments. And we need to get into that part where they're fearful and resentful and say, yeah, you're right. This is a problem. Here's how, we, here's what caused it. Here's how both the people you like and the people you hate work together to create this mess. And here's how we can actually fix it.
0: Yeah, you know, abortion is such a, a sticky issue for a lot of Christians. And, you know, it's yeah. like and, and like I get it, like morally as a Christian, I am against abortion. And but I I, I upset even sometimes I think my own audience sometimes with how <laughs> consistent I, I try to be with the anarchist position, even on abortion, because I, I just ask them, like, consider the implications. Like, remember that at the end of every law is a man with a gun. Right. I like so how is an abortion ban going to be enforced? Other than, I mean, like this weird thing you're talking about, which I haven't looked into, but that sounds like it's just not going to work at all. But like at the end of the day,
1: one of two things would happen. They'd either waste a bunch of money and it would get struck down or they'd waste a bunch of money and it would be upheld. And now there's nothing even resembling constitutional. You want to see an acceleration of the growth of the super state? Let this thing actually get upheld. But it's
0: like it's like, you know, I know a lot of people, including my own wife, you know, women who have had miscarriages. Do you really, you know, while you're going through the emotional turmoil of a miscarriage, to have the state come and do an investigation on whether your yep. miscarriage was, you know, like a natural death or a premeditated murder? Like, yep. do we really want to create this kind of invasion of privacy exactly. in our society? And then it's like, listen, I'm I'm against abortion, but uh, okay, so what do we do for the woman who tr- you know like tried to get an abortion and we stopped her, lock her in jail for the next two years while she's pregnant with it? I was like. There are no solutions here. Like, if you know the only solutions, if you don't w- want people to get abortions, are to, you know, like research the reasons why women get abortions. And you know what? It ends up a lot of people, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people seek abortions out because they feel like they have no social system, like support system around them, and for okay. economic reasons. And it's like, instead of wasting all this money lobbying to Republicans who will never do anything to actually decrease the number of abortions in society, how about put all that time and money and energy into better supporting uh, women who are facing a emergency, you know, crisis pregnancy in your community? Exactly. seems like it's going to work a lot. Like if the goal is actually to decrease abortions, pick the the means that will actually decrease abortions, not the means that will a fail to do that. And B, now you just granted the government that much more power to invade you know the, the privacy of your your private life and then you know or like what you said if you try to find a way to to side skirt the constitutionality somehow like great you gave the government another way to another try to power us. just yep, what exactly. we needed so yeah exactly and, and, and
1: the thing is you always have to look at to remove the pretext in this case abortion and look at the power they want Okay. So, you know, always, always think of yourself as a hen in a hen house and politicians as the fox trying to figure out how to get in. And right. when you do that, if you look at it through that filter and you, and, and then when, anytime they have a new idea, remove the pretext, healthcare, education, uh, abortion, whatever it is, just put an X there and look at what they're actually proposing and say to yourself, do I want the, the government to have the power for any reason? to be able to do this thing. And if the answer to that is no, then fight tooth and nail against that new power. Because even if you're against abortion, you're giving government a new power. And let's be very clear, because even the most avid pro-lifers I know recognize that they're not going to stop every single abortion. They just want to greatly decrease them by making them illegal. I have news for you. The war on drugs has led to more drug use and powerful cartels providing them. The war on terror has led to more terrorism and powerful terrorist groups doing it. I am certain, of course, that the U.S. government will totally nail the war on abortion, though, and that there's no way that it will result in even more abortions with powerful cartels providing them. Now, let me explain why I personally as, and I consider myself pro-life. I think abortions are, a more often than not, a, a gruesome and regrettable decision. And I think it's much better for us to look at the reasons that abortions are happening, which are nine times – out well, it, at least seven or eight times out of ten, they're economic reasons. Yeah. And we need to look at that and address that. And I'm not talking new government programs, I'm talking the opposite. I'm talking getting government out of the way so that people can prosper and flourish more, which will lead yeah. to less abortions. But I, I do not like abortions. I do not, you know, people, I've been asked if I wanna participate in a, you know, celebrate abortion thing. No, no, and I don't wanna celebrate the choice. I think it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible regretful thing. And I, I feel terrible about it, that, that, that this is happening as often as it does. The only constitutional way And I know we're anarchists, but we also have to look at the mechanism for how this would happen. The only way that Roe v. Wade can be subverted is if through probably a constitutional amendment, the uh, the 14th Amendment right to equal protection is granted to it is start is decreed to start at the moment of conception. That's the only way that that's going to happen. They're not going to be able to use some arbitrary thing like, you know, heartbeat. Or, or brain activity, because it's, it's nearly impossible to measure something like that. Go- if it's not birth, which is what it currently is, then it's going to have to be like conception. It's going to have to be like the, the other hard beginning there. And yeah. if that had happened, if that had already been in place in 1982, I wouldn't be here. Because my mother had multiple failed pregnancies before she had me. And if there were 14th Amendment protections for feed it for zygotes and fetuses, then not only would every single one of those been investigated, but after probably the first couple of them, maybe even after the first one, uh, my mother goes to get pregnant, the government is going to say, yeah, no, you can't do that. If you if you are knowingly creating a life that you know is likely not to live, and it dies that's negligent homicide or some other offense uh th- th- yeah. that's a crime you've committed which inevitably means they're going to have to have some kind of licensing system for abort for uh, pregnancies because the <sighs> only way they can keep track of it is through pregnancy licensing now yeah. before you call me a crazy person you have no, to I... get a license to fish <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You have to get a license to do an increasing number of things that are just basic stuff. There are places where you have to have a license to collect rainwater. You got to pay a fee on it. You don't think they're chomping at the bit to have a a license for pregnancy and all the stuff that would come with that. Okay. Because now that's a barrier to entry because there's definitely going to be a fee for it. And they're going to have to say that your BMI has to be below a certain level before you got pregnant. And you're going to have to, you know, do regular checks, not just for the health of the baby, but for the uh, satiation of the state, the satisfaction of the state to make sure that you're as healthy as possible. This of course is inevitably going to disproportionately uh, discriminate, not just through cost, but through enforcement against the, people that they always enforced against the most the poor and the marginalized god yes. forbid a homeless person gets pregnant like this yeah. and then inevitably you are going to have situations where people who got pregnant and were not able to do it because you know and then you'll have i can already hear it i'm not against pregnancy i'm just against illegal pregnancy <laughs> unauthorized <laughs> dangerous pregnancy what did we do before government made sure our pregnancies were safe you can hear it too you gotta admit it Okay, think of all the the things that people Oh, I'm okay with you serving food, but only if you're licensed, because otherwise, you're going to kill everybody. So if you don't think for a second that societally, we would instantly adopt this idea that uh, unlicensed pregnancy is inherently dangerous and wrong. Okay. And so now you've got people who can't afford, they're illegal pregnant people and you know illegal pregnant mothers. And you know here is this woman who would have otherwise had the child, but because she can't afford the cost of a, of a legal pregnancy, she gets an abortion because it's much easier to hide an illegal abortion than an illegal pregnancy and birth and child and human being. Inevitably, the war on abortion would lead to more abortions So if you actually want to address the topic of abortion, address the vast majority of women who get abortions are mother. They're not the baby murder character caricature you've been presented. They are mothers to between two thirds and three quarters of mothers of, of, of women who get abortions are already a parent to at least one child. And they realize that they can't afford another child. So address the economic reasons. Why women aren't getting abortions. And you can do that through advocacy for policies that, you know, uh, that disproportionately, you know, uh, help the the working poor, like getting rid of occupational licensing laws, getting rid of burdensome, onerous zoning laws that don't allow them to do business in their homes, you know, getting rid of stuff, uh, taxes on payroll and things like that, you know, policy things that help that will disproportionately help. They'll help all of us, but they'll disproportionately help the poorest among us. Or maybe you could spend all that money you're spending on pro-life ad- advocacy and work with charities who are actually meeting with women who are considering having abortions and saying, we'll help you for, you know, the first few years, we'll help you get you on your feet, try to help you find a job afterwards, try to help you, you know, get, get the, the, the support that you need, have you part of this social support network where we help each other, you know, mutual aid, what anarchists believe in. Do that. Put yeah. your time these things, we can actually reduce abortions. Stop giving the state more power. It doesn't just violate your rights; it makes that problem worse every time.
0: Yep, hundred percent agree. Couldn't couldn't have said it better than that. um we're, we're running out of time, and I got like one more topic I want to cover sure, here quickly sure, sure. at the end. I don't mean to to like you know to kind of like quickly change subjects. No, but, let's um, do it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. So. One of the things I've noticed since I've joined the movement and specifically the Libertarian Party is that Mm -hmm. as much as I have no interest in fighting a culture war, it seems like inevitably the culture war ends up like leaking into our movement yes. and, and party a little bit. Inevitably. Um yeah. inevitably. And you know, as, as as a Mises caucus state organizer, I sometimes find myself like right in the thick of it uh, of all like, the you know drama <laughs> and stuff going on. Yeah. In
1: Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's,
0: yeah, it's been a rough year.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Uh, although at least it's not, you know, like New Hampshire or Delaware, I guess. But um Jesus. Yeah, I know. So, you know, part of what, I mean, there's like a lot of things that contribute to this, but one of the things that I wanted to get your opinion on is that, you know, some of it seems like there's this little bit of like, you know, I'm a like live and let live guy, but it seems like there's a lot of people who like, they bring that baggage of the culture war into the party. And, and and I don't even want to single out one side. I think, you know, there are people on, on both like sides or whatever that, that, that do this, but it's like, now, listen, like I'm a Christian and I, I tend to be more of a like social conservative when it comes to issues of marriage, sex, gender and whatever. Those are just my beliefs. You know, as an anarchist, it's like I don't advocate for any state laws on any of those issues at all. Yep. Um. Yep. But like I do ask that, like i be allowed to, you know, like with, you know, in good conscious and good good faith, like, be allowed to have my beliefs. Have your um, yeah. I, and, and I can, you know, it, it, in the same way that I can engage with an atheist who doesn't believe in my God, I can engage with someone from the uh, GSM community who has, mm-hmm. you know, views on sex and gender that that I just don't quite see or, or agree with. Doesn't right. mean I, you know what I mean? But I, I find that a lot of uh, the tension sometimes come from uh, Christians or even just, like, conservative-leaning people or just people who mm-hmm. don't really fit a certain sort of like uh, social progressive mindset mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think has been, you know, kind of like the, the, the dominant culture in the LP and Liberty movement for a while, yeah. it, they have a hard time fitting in. And, it, and then it ends up being the culture war all over again, but within mm-hmm. our party and movement. And it's like, I have no yes. interest in fighting it. I, I want to focus yeah. on fighting the state but I have a hard time getting, you know, both sides to stop. Like I get I people who I agree with on the issues and stuff, but I go like, listen, like let's not focus on the fact that there's people that have different beliefs than us while like there's a genocide going on in Yemen and we have the biggest prison population in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like let's focus on that. And then on the same side to the people who disagree with me on those social issues, I'm like, Hey, do we really have to fight about like what I believe about, these topics when it's like we agree on like, can't we just put to rest this like 10 to 20% we disagree on when this 80%, we are in perfect agreement. And like, I'd, I'd like to see the Liberty movement and the party mm-hmm. specifically move forward and put that culture war to bed. But it seems like, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, and I know there's others like me who feel that way, Mm -hmm. but at times I feel like I'm like this lone voice in the desert, like trying to like, you know, shout and and I'm not getting heard.
1: you're, You're not, you are, you are one of the few that's willing to actually say that. But the reality is the vast majority of libertarians are like, can we just live our own lives? And, uh, and you have a, a very loud and vocal minority on both sides who will say, no, no, we can't, we have to, everyone, we need to, we need to come to a consensus on this. And, and the people who disagree are, are bad. And again, this is both sides where I'm not calling it, it, we need to look at the root of why this is the culture war exists because we have a state where the, who wins very often decides how everyone has to live. And yeah. what we're seeing now, this. Um, And it's largely based on gender and and sexual uh, um, uh, uh, identification issues, Uh, you know, sexuality, who you're attracted to, what your gender is, and so forth. It's largely based on that, but those are just the two biggest. You know, prongs in this overall offensive that's coming from the progressive left right now. We have to keep in mind, this is actually them advancing on a battlefield where after decades or in some cases centuries, it has been the the more religious or at least the more conservative elements who have been pushing against them. You know, there are people who are still alive now. Uh, in fact, not just alive. There are people who are only in their 60s, 70s who were, you know, alive when the government said that being homosexual uh, is illegal in many states and was enforced. Uh, and, and not being attracted to to the same sex was illegal, but actually engaging in it. In fact, some of the states still have yeah. those laws on the books, even though they've been, uh, you know, ruled unconstitutional for quite some time. Uh, and even before that weren't really being enforced, but you had the government, both parties, you had the government saying, being a sexual deviant, a homosexual, made you likely to be a communist. And you were probably an enemy of the, of the government in the American way. And they would actively look for people who were suspected of being homosexuals and they would route them out. They would cancel them. They would yeah. route them out. They would fire them. They would, their lives were ruined. That, that would be a mark on them for the rest of their lives. And the 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 gay, it was so bad that the gay rights groups during that time couldn't even admit they were gay. They would just say, well, listen, we're just on the side of people living their lives and constantly all they'd be asked, are you gay? Are you gay? And they go, well, that's not the point. Can you imagine that environment? And so that's where the gay pride movement came out of was people going, yeah, I am gay. And if you want to arrest me, then arrest me. But I'm I'm going to live my life. And as a libertarian, I greatly respect that someone's like, hey, you know what? Screw you. I am this. And I, you know, I'm going to live my life. And if you have to arrest me, then arrest me. Well, I would do the same thing. Yeah.
0: Because I would do the same thing if like if it was illegal to be a Christian. I would do the same thing and be like, no, it's the same you. exact thing. <laughs> so, yes, even yes. Though it's, so even though it's like, even if I have disagreements about like from my, my religious perspective about like, right. well, that's not the way I would live my life. It's like, if I don't defend your right to live your exactly. life that way, then my right. And I think you're exactly right on where this is coming from. And the way I've described yeah. it is like the way, the same way Ron Paul really like woke a lot of us up to how mm-hmm. the, what happened on nine 11 was blowback for decades of American uh this foreign policy blowback. in the middle east this is blowback unfortunately is blowback. and as a christian conservative i have to call out my fellow christian conservatives to be like this although we we you know i'm not saying we should just like let them do whatever like they want and and let them no. take our rights away no, but no, we no. have to recognize like where this is coming from is blowback yeah. from like you said decades and really centuries of christians doing the same to them and we right. if we don't recognize that we're doomed to just repeat the same mistakes
1: and it's happening in other countries. I mean, it's still in yeah. in, in most Islamic countries, it's illegal to be gay. And, and in some cases, it's a it's a, a, a capital offense. So even still, they're fighting against that more. I, I use that as an example to, to demonstrate that. On all of these culture war issues, the reason that it's so white hot isn't just because they disagree. It's because in the statist world that that we're bringing them in from, they're not just arguing over are you you know is 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 gender always based on your you know genitals or is it based on you know how you feel inside? It's based on are we going to force people to say that they're men, even if they don't feel like they're men or, or women, even if they don't feel like they're women, or are we going to force someone to accept someone's pronouns, even if they don't want to do that? Whereas the Liberty solution, the libertarian or anarchist solution to that is do whatever you want. Just don't hurt anyone else. Don't right. hurt anyone else. Don't violate their rights. Don't tell them how, don't make them live a certain way. Don't threaten them. Uh, and don't, uh, don't try to take or, or, or rob from them. And if, if, it is that this is why, and I, I think it was Dave Smith who actually called for you know a culture war truce, and I tend to agree with that. I tend to think that we need to be looking at this as okay, this is, and I say this as someone who, if someone says my, you know, if someone who I knew as Bill now says my name is Becky, and I, uh, I'm, I'm a woman, uh, and I either I'm a woman now or I've always feel like I, I always felt like I was a woman, and finally I feel free to do that. I say okay, Becky, and I, and I, I use Becky's pronouns because she's asked me to do so and the same token if Becky turns around and says you know this person over there needs to call me Becky and there should be laws against that or they should be punished for that I go, "No, that person should be able to say whatever they want about you uh, as long as they're not actually hurting you or uh, actually aggressing upon you or actually trying to rob you or, or violate who you are then you know then they they have a right to, to perceive you in any way they wish and I think that it's important And not just, you know, that's the most white hot, one of the most white hot issues right now is, 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 you know, transgender stuff. But this is for everything. This is for everything. The sooner that we recognize that we need to be allow, recognizing each person's individual autonomy, not just to live how they wish, but to have the opinion they want. And you can, incidentally, I don't see saying that person's a bigot as some act of aggression. I, or, or saying that person is a snowflake or that person is a whatever as an act of aggression. I, people, you have a right to your opinion. Someone else has a right to sharing what they think of your opinion and you have a right to share what you think of their opinion. That's part of freedom. It's not always pretty. Yeah. So there's nothing that's you know uh, inherently wrong about people engaging in, in this argument. But I do think that a lot less of it would be happening if we all step back and said, why don't we recognize that each person here shouldn't be forcing anything on anyone and then you can go back to arguing over what gender is and i think that just becomes a lot less white hot when we do that i simply refuse to engage in it because you guys want to argue over gender? Great. Like you said, I, I want to go and stop. You know this uh, this uh, this bill that's being used to create snitches. I want to go stop this local city council from using eminent domain to steal a, a convalescent home from a bunch of elderly, mentally disabled people. I want to go stop. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, fight against vaccine mandates. I want to go fight against stop fight against the genocide in Yemen. I, I want to go and, and and fight for things where people are. You know are are suffering and dying under the aggression of government right now and if you guys want to argue over you know w- 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 how much a penis weighs into your gender or not i i just i don't care like I I don't don't, the, it doesn't I just, affect I, I, yeah. me personally and I don't, I, it's, It's. I understand it It affects you. I, I understand it would affect a trans person personally. I understand it would affect someone who's being threatened with, you know, uh, state action if they don't acknowledge someone's gender. Per. I, I get it. It affects you personally. Why don't we just agree that you should be able to decide how you feel about it and they should be able to decide how they feel about it. And if you guys insist on continuing to argue, that's fine. I have no interest in it. I have zero interest whatsoever. I want to go and fight for people, including trans people who right now are being threatened with murder. By the government for being that like if we're going to talk about trans rights let's go talk about like the the um uh, the, the, bill that was passed in, uh, in, uh, what's it Ghana? Let's go talk about that. Or let's go talk about people that are actually threatening state action against trans people or, or against gay people. Like let's, let's, if, if that's what we're going to do, let's focus on actual aggression. If we're going to do that, if we're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, Christian persecution, let's talk about places where if you, st- uh, countries where, if you stand up, hold up the Bible and say, this is my holy book. I believe in God. And I believe that, uh, you know, his, he gave his only begotten son to, to die for your, uh, to die for your sins um and that gets you executed that's let's talk about that like I just yeah. I I want to focus on that I don't want to do the course and, course.
0: and let's talk about how both those examples are like like kind of the same in a way you know what I mean like <laughs> yes. it, we're, it's like and that's why listen and we need to I think all get better at being better teammates and it's like you know what like yep. I use trans people's pronouns and I don't really get I don't have the energy or the desire to to fight with people if in the gSM else. community about their beliefs yes. because it's like you know what it's because to me, it's the same. And, and I make this argument to my fellow conservative co- conservatives and Christians. Like if mm-hmm. I'm praying for my food before I eat it in the middle of a crowd, I, I, I would kind of get pissed off if an atheist ran up to me and yelled, your God is fake. You know, right. know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. Like it, it would be like, I'm not saying that that's not aggression, but it would kind of be like a dick move. So it's like, yes, in the same way, like, I don't need to be loudly, you know, going around to, to people with different social views or different religious views, and making that a big deal, especially in a space where we're supposed to be teammates and allies and be working towards uh, a greater goal. So, I mean, that, that's yeah, that's I'm actually a very agreement. good
1: parallel because people will say, "Well, I don't, I, I don't believe that transgenders are." Um, you know, uh, that transgenderism is real. Uh, and so I don't want to, re- I, I don't want to respect their pronouns. Okay, great. And they'll say, and they'll say, well, you know, I think that they're just, you know, it's a fairy tale. Okay, well, th- they might think that your faith yeah. is a fairy tale. And and the- here's the yeah. thing. You don't have to respect their pronouns. If you think it's a fairy tale, they don't have to respect your religion. If they think it's a fairy tale, maybe it's a good idea to, to not be a dick about it either way. Like yeah, we don't have to respect
0: our ideas yeah. in the sense of agreeing, but we should respect the people. You know what I mean? Like that, that should be easy. I think um I would hope you so. know on both sides so absolutely um well yeah speaking of pronouns uh is this true dave uh, David <laughs> said your pronouns are tasha's and spouse
1: <laughs> what what makes this funny is that i would love to hear this actually used like you know uh i've uh, tasha it's uh, well tasha is a great person i saw spouse uh earlier today um yeah no um sure I don't I have no idea. I mean uh, if we want to talk about a real crisis (laughs) how about the stripping of my identity that's happened this year that's just the complete annihilation (laughs) of anything resembling my own personal existence as a as a as a single human being I'm I'm not Spike Cohen I am someone's spouse they didn't even give me husband like I didn't even get the respect of husband I'm some generic partner to some to someone else entirely um and this has manifested itself in so many terrible ways
0: I called you Tasha's husband, though, so I mean, I'm I'm at least okay, trying to right, uh, no, and I give you more that. of identity. That, that I appreciate.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's marginally better, but it's actually gone the other way. So, like when I I have uh, when we when we go to like you know events, when Tasha and I will, will fly into an event. and Someone shows up to pick us up, take us to the hotel, and it all started. I made the mistake of taking a picture of one of them, and it said Tasha Cohen um, and guest below that so now i wasn't just a spouse i was a guest like i wasn't even related to this person i'm now just there and i thought i took a picture i'm like how that's funny now then the next one i go to it says tasha cohen and all big words with the libertarian logo on it and under that it says etc so like it didn't even there was a possibility i wasn't even there like it was like miscellany like it wasn't even an acknowledgement of a human being so i do think at some point it's going to be like tasha cohen and they show up in a smart car. So there's only one seat and I just have to walk. Like I, I think that's the next step is just not even acknowledging <laughs> the possibility of my existence. Um, so that that's coming soon. You that's up, I mean, if you want to fight something, you want to talk about a culture war. Um, you know, here I am. Uh I I don't even exist anymore. It's all just my wife, but do you you're but gonna yeah, come no, home I, one day and, and, I, and uh, I,
0: you're gonna come home one go day to, to a scheduled podcast and Tasha's just already like in your chair with your, your already in my on. chair. Yeah, yeah, already <laughs> in my chair giving the
1: interview. And I'm like, oh, did they want to talk to me? No, they don't. They didn't even know you were. They didn't know you were real. So that's that's where we're headed. So, we want to talk oh, about depersonization.
0: God. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that we uh, we we need more uh, hashtag uh, Libertarian Unity to r- r- uh, stand up for uh, uh, Spike rights. Those are very important. Yes. Cool. Make
1: Tash's husband Spike again. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> God. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Spike, again for coming on. And uh, is there thank anything, you, you know, you, you got a lot going on. Uh, is there anything oh, you yeah. want to plug as far as events or things coming up for you before we uh, hop off?
1: Oh, man. Well, this is live. So if any of y'all live in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be at the at the big game, whatever it is. Hold on one second. I can tell you what the big game is. The big game is. Hold on. That, that didn't say. There's a big game in Birmingham, if you live in Birmingham, I'm sure you know what the big game is. And uh, I'm going to be tailgating there. Uh, and we're going to be signing petitions, getting petitions signed for uh, to get uh, Jonathan Reels, who is a libertarian running for Congress in that district, on the ballot. Um, and uh, so come and join us for that. Um, next weekend, uh, or actually all of next week and the following week, I'm going to be in New York for multiple events. Uh, if you go to SpikeCohen.com, you can follow all the events that I'm doing. They're all listed out there. I'm all over the country. Uh, I'm actually away from home more often than I'm at home. You you reach me a rare time than I'm at home. Um, I'm almost gone from my home as long as I was during the campaign because this is my life now as (laughs) Tasha's spouse. And uh, so come on out uh, spikecohen.com. If you want to follow me on social media, look for Spike Cohen. I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok for the kids. Uh, I'm on all over over social media and uh, I'm on Reddit. Uh, I'm on all sorts of stuff. Um, so find me there, or you can go to spikecohen.com. I also have two podcasts that I do, uh, my fellow Americans and the muddied waters of freedom. Both of those are on muddied waters media. Uh, you can find muddied waters media on all social media platforms and on all podcasting platforms. Uh, and you can also find all of our episodes on muddiedwatersmedia.com. and Jacob, I really appreciate you having me on, man.
0: Yeah. Thanks again for coming on. And, uh, I have to. You know, I had a lot of uh, people asking me to ask you more religious questions, so I'll have to have you back on sometime where we can uh, maybe do a deeper dive into your religious views because I think uh, a lot of people want to hear that. So,
1: yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'd love yeah. to do that.
0: Cool. All right. Thanks again, Spike, for coming on. Thanks everybody for watching, and uh, y'all have a good night.
1: With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So, if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink. Consider this a sign. Right now, get zero dollar delivery fee with any purchase of fifteen dollars or more. Only in the app at participating McDonald's. Minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.